Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Well, I'd like to welcome you to this podcast, and we have a very special guest on today, and it's Mr. Liu Yin. He is a PhD candidate at the University of California at San Diego, and he and his associates have been working on some very exciting research that I asked Lou to share with us today. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Lou. Go ahead and let us know a little bit about uh, what you're working on right now. Yeah, so just to introduce myself a little bit, uh, I am a PhD student doing research on wearable electronics in UCSD. Uh, I have been doing research on this area, uh, in particular wearable sensors and wearable energy devices for the past six years. And uh, so what uh, we want to talk about today is our most recent publication in Juul about a energy harvester that is uh, truly, I think it's groundbreaking uh, in a sense that it can harvest energy uh, from doing nothing. So what we do uh, as research in our lab is in general uh, wearable devices. Wearable devices are in general uh, those electronics that are reinvented in a way that is uh, optimized uh, miniaturized for you to put on your body without interrupting your daily workflow. So um, come with that. There are sensing devices that you can use to track your movement, track your health situation, measure your biomarker level, like your glucose, uh, or measure maybe your electrolyte level. And also to power those sensors, there are also uh, electronics uh, interfaces and uh, also energy devices that need to provide energy to allow those uh, electronics to operate. So uh, a big part of my past research is trying to develop wearable energy devices that can harvest energy from uh, people's daily movement or daily activities, uh, and that energy can be harvested and then stored in also wearable devices like a wearable battery that is flexible, uh, can be uh, stretchable, soft, integrated on textile, or even uh, as a tattoo on your skin. And then those electronics uh, that I talked about for measuring different things can be all powered by this wearable energy devices. Everything else uh, integrated together will become a wearable system that can operate independently and uh, autonomously. Okay. And I know in, in taking a look through the research information you sent me, and thank you, by the way, for that. that was, I would like to be able to take a look at that 
prior to a guest coming on. A couple of things really stood out at me quite a bit in taking a look through the research. Um, the two different types of sensors that you were working on, one with basically the lactate or the sweat, and then the other one, the pressure. So talk a little bit about each of those sensors and what, as far as being able to generate energy that we can then store. So what, in, in taking a look at that, talk a little bit about some of the differences in actually how you want about formulating the storage for or the, the sensor to for the lactate to convert it over into storable energy and then also taking a look at the pressure sensor. And what would be what would be some uses for each of those different sensors? Because you had mentioned just a little bit ago about having a wearable on that could sense your electrolyte level, it could sense your heart rate, it could it could sense skin temperature and various other physiological measurements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in general, the way I uh, think about these kind of uh, energy harvesting and sensing device is that uh, seems like everything has its two sides. Uh, for instance, a solar cell, which people are pretty familiar with, uh, they are basically like a super powerful light sensor. Uh, so when the sunlight uh, shines on the solar cells, you generate uh, current and the voltage. So uh, if you use the solar cell as a sensor, then you can basically use it to tell when is there light coming in, how strong is the light by judging how much current, how much voltage you're getting. Or if you use the other way around, then you can harvest the current flow in these devices. So um, similar for uh, electrochemical energy, we have a lot of sensors for the measurement of a lot of biomarkers in our biofluids, namely glucose, uh, lactate, urea, uric acid, uh, these kind of metabolites that exist in our biofluids, like in saliva, in tears, in sweat, in the blood. Uh, they can be sensed using different mechanisms. Um, but if you actually can generate strong enough signals, then those sensors can be used to uh, collect energy. So in this work uh, that uh, we're talking about, it is a biofuel cell. Biofuel cell is in general just like a fuel cell uh, that uses enzyme uh, to react with the uh, metabolites uh, in your biofluid. In this case, uh, we're talking about lactate oxidase as an enzyme. What it does is it reacts with the lactate or lactic acid in your biofluid, and then, uh, in, in this case, in your sweat, which you have plenty of. And then the reaction will generate a current. Uh, so for lactate sensors, what they do is to measure that current and then establish a correlation with the concentration. So you can know how much current cor- uh, correspond to how strong, uh, how concentrated the lactic acid is in your sweat. Uh, alternatively, we can put it on a biofuel cell, uh, which basically, instead of measuring the current, we collect that current, uh, and then that can be used for energy harvesting from sweat. Uh, the other thing, like the pressure sensor, um, uh, what we did in this work is to integrate a piezoelectric disk Piezoelectric uh, basically means that uh, it can 
interact with pressure and electricity. So like a small electronic buzzer uh, in simple electronics, those has uh, piezoelectric uh, devices inside. So when you send in uh, a voltage, then those things will vibrate. Alternatively, when those things vibrate, uh, when you press on it, it can also generate a signal. You can use that to uh, measure movements or pressure, or you can also harvest that current and then use that to generate power uh, on wearables. So I think that's pretty uh, interesting, the two side of things that uh, all the sensors you're working with are at the same time also energy uh, power generators. And what we can do is to develop them into a wearable form factor and to wear those. Um, particular for wearable energy harvesters, uh, people are more concerned with how flexible it is, how intrusive it is. Uh, is it uh, easy to carry around? Is it easy to use? Is it uh, overall practical? So I think that's something we're, we're working on. And uh, specifically, this work is aiming to address uh, using these kind of uh, mechanisms. Uh, we can collect energy from the body in a comfortable fashion, in a practical fashion that people will be willing to com comply to. Uh, people would like to wear it uh, because um, of its uh, advanced form factors, its uh, flexible materials we used, and uh, all that comes with. All right, very good explanations there. I, I know the, um, as I was reading through the research that you sent to me, some things started to pop up into mind, and you touched a little bit on it. Just you had mentioned about the a battery, and and we're seeing now with the technology that the batteries look like tattoos. Um, basically, they can be they can be taped on the body, and they they have you know a dark appearance to them. They, maybe some lines, but n nothing that's obtrusive. Um, can be worn under clothing. I, I one of the questions I had in looking through the research is you, you had mentioned about the capacitance with these particular sensors. And in my taking a look at these thin wearable tattoo batteries, if you want to call them that, uh, just kind of a layman's term, how does the capacitance that you and your colleagues came up with, with um, as far as generating the, uh, during sleep, for instance, you had mentioned uh, up to 10 hours worth of sleep, the sweat that's generated through the fingertip, or maybe you have it on the back of the hand. Translate that in for us into the, not only the capacitance level, but what would that, what kind of voltage would that turn out to as far as to store in one of these tattoo batteries, one of these uh, very, you know, thin polymer batteries? Yeah, so in general, the term battery can mean uh, many things. Uh, in here, it's a biofuel cell. Basically, it's a battery that uh, uh, is a semi-open system, meaning that the uh, anode and cathode or the positive and negative electrode material can come from outside. Uh, like a hydrogen fuel cell car that's, uh, that are running on the street, what they're doing is to, you can pump in hydrogen uh, and then the other side uses oxygen, so all the fuels come from outside. 
or like a Tesla, those runs on lithium-ion batteries. Those are more like electrochemical batteries. Uh, it's a closed system, so all the energy stored are within. So all the anode um, cathode materials are stored within the battery. So a little bit back uh, story about our research. What we did here is a wearable uh, fuel cell, biofuel cell that is, which uses enzyme as the catalyst and uses your sweat as the electrode material as the fuel to generate electricity. So uh, compared to other wearable energy harvesting devices uh, that are already being developed, uh, this new technology that we developed has very distinct advantage that it can harvest a really small amount of sweat from your fingertip, uh, and then that can continuously generate uh, energy, uh, continuously generate power, uh, and that power can be then harvested, stored in some electrochemical uh, energy storage device, like a, a battery, a traditional sense of battery, which is a closed loop, a closed system, or maybe uh, if you only need a small amount of battery, a uh, small amount of power, a uh, small amount of energy, then you can also store that in a capacitor or a little bit more than that would be a supercapacitor. Uh, all of those uh, correspond to different energy densities uh, or in layman's term, uh, different uh, amount of energy within the same amount of weight or volume. So batteries has the highest energy density. Uh, it can store the most energy uh, in a given volume. Uh, and then there will be uh, supercapacitors that can store less energy uh, within a given volume, but uh, it's uh, good for discharging very rapidly to give really high power just in a short amount of time. And then there are capacitors, which we see every day, everywhere, in the circuit boards, in all the electronics, they all have capacitors. Those only heard, uh, can hold a small amount of uh, charge. So what we did in this work, uh, the biofuel cell were uh, like a tattoo, like a small uh, thing you can put on top of your finger and can continuously harvest energy. The energy you can harvest uh, uh, is in a matter of uh, millijoules. Uh, to put a reference to that, uh, it's basically having a power rating of about tens of microwatts to maybe 100 microwatts per centimeter square. And uh, uh, to translate that uh, for normal electronic uh, wristwatch, they run on a power of maybe like 10 microwatt. So with this uh, one finger of power uh, harvesting overnight, uh, harvesting energy overnight, it can potentially power a wristwatch for a day. Um, of course, there are more advanced electronics that are running on higher power consumptions, like the Apple Watch people are wearing nowadays, a lot of small sensing devices running on microcontrollers. Those have uh, much higher power consumptions. What we can do is to store the harvested energy uh, in a capacitor or in a supercapacitor uh, until it has enough energy to power those more uh, powerful electronics. And then we discharge the charge stored in those capacitors to power those uh, stronger electronics.
So that's in general how things are happening. The biofuel cell, uh, you mentioned voltage, can generate a voltage about uh, up to 0.6 volts. So uh, normally electronics running nowadays uh, are running above uh, two to three volts. So what we did in this work is to include uh, a voltage booster, uh, which is like a buck converter that uh, increase the voltage uh, in exchange for current. So the boosted voltage can be directly used to power a lot of electronics. And we showcase in this work, uh, the harvested power within one minute can power a microcontroller that can do uh, wearable sensing. Uh, and it can also power a small low power uh, display that can use to uh, directly tell you how much uh, glucose you have or how much lactate you have how much vitamin C you have in your sweat. All of those can be powered by just uh, the small amount of sweat that's constantly constantly emitting from your fingertips. Yeah, I was very impressed when I, I, I took a look at that when in reference to the vitamin C. It got me thinking that we can, um, you know, that's something too that you can see if, uh, and the blood and the glucose that you could actually monitor people to see are are they losing uh, a particular biochemical, whether it would be an electrolyte or whether it would be uh, a, a supplement such as a vitamin C that, you know, a lot of times doctors will want to follow people along and, and check their levels. But this is something that could be checked. And then, of course, through the magic of Bluetooth, could then be relayed back to the physician's office where they can get in real time how somebody's doing also over a period of time. So I like the fact that it's right there on the skin, that it can it can pick up quite a bit. And there's a lot of applications for that in other fields as well, uh, outside of the medical field itself. A couple other questions popped up into my mind, and, and I, this is probably more down the line, but your research being, to me, being so pioneering, starts to lead one's mind into numerous directions. And my mind with my background leads me to, to ask this question to you. Is this technology that you and your associates have come across, do you see it developing or being able to be developed in the near future? I'm going to say within the next year where it's not so much passive, but it's active. Whereas I go out and I play tennis with this shirt on and I'm sweating more and having a larger surface area in contact with my skin to harvest the energy, the potential for that to have even greater capacity or, or greater storage of energy to then run higher demanding sensors. And I'm going to throw this one at you. I'm going to take a look at I'm talking specifically about IMUs, the, you know, the inertial uh, sensors, and, and they have a higher demand for voltage. So could we see something like what you, what you and your colleagues have, been, have developed? Could that be expanded over a larger surface area of the body so that when you say you're sweating with an exercise, that that can then power the IMUs 
which then we can use, for instance, as an EMG to, to test and, and to see what kind of muscle function are, are we getting when we do a particular exercise. Or in industry, the individual goes to lift boxes and we can see that just by virtue of them sweating more, that that energy would be enough to keep these IMU sensors operational so that we can get that EMG feedback to see how the muscles are doing. What's the potential for that? I mean, I'm just, again, I'm just looking at what you've done and trying to extrapolate how much can that be expanded as far as energy production to then power bigger things like larger uh, components like IMUs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are uh, excellent questions. Um, so actually, there are two things I would like to add on. One is about the sensors and one is about the energy side of things, uh, which you both uh, touched upon. The first thing is about the sensors. So uh, a little bit backstory about our group in general. Uh, I'm working in USSD Internet Engineering Department under Professor Joseph Wang's lab. Uh, and uh, Professor Joseph Wang is a leading figure in the field of wearable sensors and analytical chemistry. Our lab has been working on wearable sensors, non-invasive sensors, minimal invasive sensors, and so that uh, for several decades. And the goal, of course, is to achieve uh, comprehensive sensing for all kinds of analytes uh, for biochemical measurements. So like you mentioned, uh, a lot of uh, people suffering from say diabetes, they have to uh, prick their fingers all the time to measure their blood glucose level. There are CGM, continuous glucose monitoring devices being developed, of course, um, that can transmit your real-time uh, blood glucose level to people. Um, but those are a little bit more invasive. Uh, you need a long needle insert inside your body and uh, those can only run for a small amount of time. Maybe now the most recent technology allow it to run for a few months, which are very exciting for patients. But uh, there are many more analyte, many more biomarkers uh, that uh, are not hidden in, this, uh, in the blood, but also in our sweat, in our tears, in our saliva that can be sensed without you needing to prick your finger or uh, to insert anything uh, intrusive into your body. Um, so that's what we have been working on. And uh, the sensing uh, about, and also about energy harvesting goes together uh, when we're talking about sweat, because sweat has so much of the analyte that can both uh, be measured for the sensors and also generate energy for the energy harvesters. Uh, so about the fingertip uh, thing we were talking about, actually, we recently come across uh, this phenomenon about the sweat on the fingertip, uh, which uh, I think is a bit uh, counterintuitive. When we think about sweating, we really think about maybe uh, in the, in the uh, feet, under the armpit, on the back, where you feel like it's most sweaty. A uh, few people think about sweaty fingertips, maybe uh, for people who has really sweaty hands. Um, but uh, in general, actually, there are a quite high density of sweat gland on the fingertip. 
that uh, sweat are constantly coming out from your finger. Uh, it, the reason you don't see sweat accumulate on your hand is because they are evaporated as soon as it comes out and your hand is constantly touching this and that. So the sweat got transferred. Uh, if you notice uh, when you're holding your cell phone, it gets greasy and dirty very quickly. That's because all the sweat leaves residue of salt and grease and those will stay on your phone, on, on your uh, clothes. And uh, those things, if you actively harvest those, uh, can be also used for sensing. So we recently have developed a lot of these touch-based sensors that can harvest just a small amount of sweat from the fingertip. And then you can use that to sense a lot of things. We have shown to use this to sense glucose. Uh, so when you touch a, a sensor uh, with a specialized hydrogel that's for harvesting sweat from the fingertip, you can uh, non-invasively uh, sense your glucose level without needing to prick your finger. Um, we also showed this can be used for sensing for um, hormones, uh, say cortisol. It's a stress hormone, uh, very uh, constantly related with uh, uh, your stress level. It also varies uh, by the day. Usually it goes higher in the morning and goes down in the evening. And people who are under uh, chronic stress, their, uh, their cortisol level fluctuation is abnormal. We can also use the fingertip sweat to sense the cortisol level. For patients with, uh, for patients with uh, uh, Alzheimer's or uh, Parkinson's disease, they all have different kind of uh, abnormal metabolism uh, and they need to take medicines for those. Uh, recently, we also tried to use um, a sensor for level dopa, which is a medicine uh, Parkinson patients are taking. Uh, so you can actually use this to track what's the level dopa level in your body. With this, you can achieve more accurate uh, medicine, uh, more precise uh, medication. Um, and all of those are just uh, information hidden in your fingertip. Um, and uh, like that's the first thing I want to mention is about the wearable sensing field. It's uh, really exciting and it's really have been developed uh, a lot for the uh, recent uh, few decades. People are developing sensors for saliva, for sweat, and um, that uh, can give you all sort of information even continuously throughout the day uh, just by wearing these sensors on your body. And then these informations can be given to a physical therapist uh, for further analysis to see if you have abnormal metabolism, if you uh, have unbalanced electrolyte, and uh, if you have been uh, compliant on taking your medicine, uh, or even it can be used for tracing uh, explosives, illicit drug use, and all those. Um, so it's really exciting to see uh, the transformation from a centralized lab setting where you have to send your samples to a lab to test to these uh, more decentralized uh, device where you can generate the data on your body and all those data can be used 
for further analysis with uh, continu continuity in the data as well. Instead of uh, having discrete data points, maybe once uh, uh, every few months. And those can be really helpful for uh, telemedicine, for precision medicine, and uh, for a lot of healthcare and athletic purpose use. The other thing I want to mention is about the energy part you mentioned. Uh, you said uh, whether we can harvest this more actively than passively. So uh, actually, uh, our lab have also been or has also been working on wearable energy harvesting using these biofuel cells uh, for past decade since I think 2012, which we showcased the first uh, like a sweat tattoo that can be used to harvest energy. Of course, the energy level was much lower at that time. Um, so this has been actually the situation for a quite a long time that uh, wearable energy harvesters like biofuel cells, there are also other harvesters like piezoelectric harvesters or triple electric harvesters that harvest energy from movement from deformation, uh, say if you're stepping on, on the floor, the shoe has deformations. When you're walking about, there are frictions on your, the surface of your fabric. All of those can generate static electricity that you can use to harvest energy. But uh, they all have, they all share the common disadvantage. People need to exercise. People need to engage in constant physical movement all the time just to generate energy. Uh, of course, uh, those are useful for certain applications, but people, especially uh, for people like us uh, in uh, modern society, people are more like sitting in offices all the time, right? They're not uh, running under the sun all the time. So it's uh, no one wants to get their shirt sweaty uh, all the time to generate energy. So what we have done here is actually the first example of being able to harvest energy from a passive state. Uh, previously, it's uh, unthinkable to harvest energy uh, from a passive state uh, for us to do experiments to showcase our biofuel cells wearable form factor. We have to actually ride a stationary cycling machine or actually running on treadmill just to get ourselves uh, sweaty to have those electronics working. Whereas now uh, we can just uh, sit in front of the desk, wear the device, and then it can generate energy. Uh, that is really exciting for us to think about. Uh, and the other thing you mentioned, whether this can be expanded to other parts of your body. Uh, the answer is yes, and uh, that's what we wanted to do. Uh, in our lab, we have uh, in the past developed uh, biofuel cells that can be generated, uh, that can be used for generating power uh, on socks, on shirts, and everywhere. It can be expanded. It can be also be like an e-skin form factor, like a patch that you put on your skin. Uh, so when you're exercising, when you're sweating, then it can generate good amount of energy to power all sort of electronics. Uh, like Bluetooth or a microcontroller or a sensor and all that. Uh, so the future direction I'm sure is about coupling this passive state and active state 
where the passive state energy harvesting ensures you always have a background uh, power input. Uh, and those can be stored in an energy harvesting device. So it can be used to offset the energy demand of other electronics when you're not moving around. And when you're really active, the power input from all these harvesters can maybe uh, go up by one order of magnitude, uh, maybe two order of magnitude, because you're moving around, you are exerting a lot of uh, energy and uh, it's very natural to harvest uh, maybe 1% of those energy and then use that to power a lot of electronics. And there are a lot of sensors we can use for athletic purposes to trace if you are dehydrated, if uh, you are exercising too much, there are too much lactate in your sweat, in your blood that you might go into acidosis. Uh, or even if uh, just because you're working out too much, you are uh, hypoglycemia, your blood glucose level went too low. Uh, during exercise, those uh, tracing would be more important. So everything combined together, we also published earlier in this year a paper in Nature Communication, which we propose a new concept calling um, wearable microgrid. So uh, the concept of microgrid, I'm not sure, uh, for people who are not familiar with it, it's basically like a smaller electrical uh, power grid uh, for especially uh, nowadays, uh, our uh, communities has more uh, renewable energy like solar cells or wind turbines. Those renewable energy can be a power a generation uh, source, and then it can be coupled with energy storage facilities, large battery groups, or even just a wall mount battery group that goes on your uh, uh, on the wall in your garage. Um, those can store the energy you got in the day from the solar cells on your roof, and then you can use those later uh, in the night. And uh, everything can be connected in a grid that can potentially make it decentralized and uh, uh, maybe independent from the main power grid. Uh, so not only uh, you are not relying on the main grid, maybe you can even feed uh, your access power into the main grid and get, ex uh, get some uh, money back in exchange. And uh, like UCSD, UCSD is running on our own microgrid. And uh, I think 60 to 80% of our power is actually coming from our own microgrid, uh, which we have our fuel cells, we have our uh, solar cells um, that are running. Um, so it can be independent from the San Diego power grid, uh, at least a semi-independent, uh, half autonomous operation. Uh, and those are really important, especially for emergencies. Uh, we have uh, hospitals in UCSD, that are running on their own grid. So it's more independent, it's more secure. And the same concept, actually, we want to apply that to wearable devices, not only having biofuel cells as energy harvesters, but we can also have wearable triple piezoelectric generators, like I talk about, harvesting energy from movements. There are also people working on wearable solar cells you can uh, integrate onto your shirt that can harvest energy when you are walking under the sunlight, 
or even a small amount of power when you're sitting indoor with the lights on, right? All those are light, just like the windmills, like the solar uh, cells in our communities. They are a renewable energy that are not uh, really re uh, consistent. For solar cells, you only have energy during the day. For triple electric energy generators, you only have energy when you're moving, right? Uh, connecting everything together with also energy storage device like a wearable battery, wearable supercapacitors, it helps you regulate all the energy. It helps you store all the power that you harvested to evenly securely distribute to the wearable electronics. And depending on how many components you have in this microgrid, then uh, you can use that to power different level of electronics uh, for EMG, for monitoring the muscles, uh, for ECG, monitoring your heart. Uh, we're also working on a lot of sensors for measuring even blood pressure using uh, ultrasound pulses. Um, all of those sensors can be potentially powered uh, independently by a small microgrid that builds on your body because you have all these energies from sweat, from movement, from the sunlight, even from the temperature gradient between your body and the environment, all of those can be a source of energy. And then you harvest that, you organize everything in an orderly fashion into a grid. And then depending on how is your grid rated at is a microwatt grid, is a milliwatt grid, is a several watt of grid, then you can use actually those power to power different level of electronics, uh, these wearable sensors uh, for biochemicals. Um, maybe you only need to sample it every five minutes, every 10 minutes. Uh, those consume less power for measurement of uh, ECG uh, or EMG. It might need higher power because it needs higher sampling rate and it needs to be more continuous. Then those consume higher power, then you need to install more powerful energy harvesters in your wearable grid to power those electronics. Eventually, maybe when our development on wearable harvest become strong enough, you can use that to charge your cell phones, your smart watch, your smart glasses, and all those devices, uh, which uh, needs uh, maybe a few watt level of grid running on your body. And the grid can be based on a shirt. Uh, so like you mentioned, when you're uh, walking about, all the sensors are on the shirt, the biofuel cells, the harvesters are on your shirt, flexible batteries can be on your shirt. There are also people proposing a different concept about e-skin which everything can be on your skin, like tattoos, like patch that you can put on your body and everything can be self-sustainable, self-powered uh, to operate independently without you needing to actually maintain it, to charge it every night. It can just run by itself to generate continuous amount of uh, data uh, about your glucose level, about your heart rate and all that for different applications. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, 
please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.